Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Mike Gravel. Mike Gravel is a former U.S. Senator who opposed the war on Vietnam, entered the Pentagon Papers into the Congressional Record. He has been an activist and an advocate for democracy and for peace for decades. He is a current candidate for U.S. President in the Democratic Party primaries. See MikeGravel.org. Mike Gravel, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. So I understand you're running in order to be in the debates. Can you explain that briefly? Well, a couple of young kids, uh, David Oak, who's 17, and uh, Henry Williams, who's 18, uh, and a few others uh, have joined in. Uh, David called me and asked if I would run for president. And my response was, do you have any idea how old I am? And he said, uh, no, that's not of concern to us. It's the issues that we're concerned with. And we feel that uh, you're the most ideal person on the issues uh, that's running for office. Uh, and so I, uh, the, the top priority item that they were ascribing to uh, was my concept of uh, building uh, a legislature of the people. And so when they locked onto that, they really were hitting what floated my boat, and uh, and that is the creation of a legislature of the people. I'm just in the process of finishing a book, and the title of it says it all: uh, Human Governance, the Failure of Representative Government, and a Solution: The People. And uh, that uh, book should be out in midsummer. Uh, and I would hope that there would be enough people that would begin to realize that the answer is not where the government leadership is, uh, because there's really been no change uh, since the founding of the country back in uh, 1787, 88. Uh, and so now we face this dilemma big time, uh, where the structure of governance has not kept abreast uh, of our scientific uh, inquiry, our scientific discoveries, and the changes that they've brought about. We have, as a civilization on the planet, have never been better off uh, in all the metrics. However, we have uh, two serious threats, uh, even with all the failures that we've had in governance. And the serious threat is, one, uh, climate change, uh, which, unless we really make some fundamental changes, and we have not as yet uh, globally, uh, then this, the planet over maybe a millennia will, uh, will commit suicide, uh, will destroy itself. And, of course, that's the long arc of the threat facing us. Uh, the short arc is, of course, we may, may well destroy ourselves with our nuclear capability. Uh, right now, and this was started under uh, Obama, uh, where we are refurbishing our entire nuclear arsenal. Of course, this is in the face of the nonproliferation treaty that we signed, where it says that uh, that all the nuclear uh, states 
I should make an effort to bring the nuclear threat to zero. And, of course, we've not done that. We're in disobedience of the nuclear proliferation agreement. Uh, and so what we see now is that the Congress uh, has approved and is, the government is in a process of spending, that is the Pentagon, uh, $1.7 trillion on refurbishing uh, the, our nuclear arsenal. Now, if you look at the record of government uh, with cost overruns, you can estimate that what they're, what this is going to cost us is uh, $3 trillion plus. And what the, what's really tragic about this, because we're depriving this money from single-payer health care, which could be funded this way, uh, and uh, school education uh, taking away all of the problems that the students have with these crushing bills that uh, they have to sustain to get an education. So what will happen is that the government will spend this money, but to understand how this is the mother of boondoggles, you must appreciate that these weapons are not usable. Nobody can use these weapons because if you do, you will trigger planetary suicide because what will happen is we'll trigger a nuclear winter. So whether we have, uh, and of course, we're the only country that has first strike capability, but whether we have first strike or uh, the capability to strike in a, uh, in response, retaliation, you don't have to worry about the cost of retaliation because the first strike is going to be setting the country on an immediate suicide. So what's going on with this nuclear uh, refurbishment is essentially setting up a suicide pack uh, for, for the planet. And this is being paid for by American taxpayers for uh, weapons that cannot be used. Because if they do use them, it's the end of the planet's survival. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I appreciate you making it a campaign issue. It, it may be worse than a boondoggle, because increasingly in the U.S. government, they talk about them as if they were usable, uh, even though, as you point which, out... Which they... is a sick situation, very sick situation. The, uh, the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff had said that this is the top priority of the nation. Now, understand what they're talking about. Uh, this uh, refurbishing the nuclear capability, they're, they're talking about uh, additional new submarines, additional new aircraft, the cruise missiles. It's not just the warheads, it's the, uh, and yet uh, it's the expansion of, of this capability. And, but, the, but using the treasure that's so vital to the success of our society. Uh, is is unbelievable, and of course the leadership, the political leadership, and the Congress are are all culpable in this regard. Here, uh, just pay attention to all the candidates running for president, and the only one that deals with the military-industrial complex is Tulsi Gabbard, and now to a degree Bernie Sanders. The rest of them don't even acknowledge the existence of the problem. So can you imagine, regardless of, uh, well, I think if, if Tulsi and Bernie get elected, 
they they won't be able to do all that much because the military industrial complex controls our government, the Congress, uh, and regardless of who's president, it, the Congress is going to be locked in battle with that. Even though it's a democratic Congress, you still have the military industrial complex that will control our government, our culture. It's a militaristic culture at this point in time. Yeah. So well, there are there are candidates like Marianne Williamson and numerous other Democratic and independent candidates who, to various slight degrees, do do touch on the topic. It's always dangerous to say the only candidate. I mean, the the New York Times this week had an article about which Democratic Party candidates would qualify if the debates were now to be in the debates based on contributions and on polling, uh, and showed most of them qualifying to be in the debates but didn't mention your existence so there's some other some other barrier you have to surpass to get the new york times to acknowledge you exist well then they then... won't they, they won't well, rest assured that well, how 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 where are where are you in terms of of reaching those thresholds to to get in the debates in terms of either polling or contributions we're pushing 30,000 uh Votes, uh, donations, donations, and you need uh, amounting, sixty-five amounting over eighty uh, to eighty thousand uh, dollars. In addition to that, we on a, a number of polls, we have polled more than one percent. So it would now the deadline is May fifteenth. Whether these students, uh, whether these young kids are going to be able to muster all the support that they've received into meeting that deadline remains to be seen. But understand one thing, that the reason why I am not considered uh, a candidate is not because of age. It's because of my position in wanting to rein in, seriously rein in, the military-industrial complex. Robert McNamara, as he left office, was asked, he's the Secretary of Defense uh, under Lyndon Johnson, he was, and also Kennedy, uh, he was asked, uh, what could we cut the Defense Department budget without impairing our security? He said 50%. Now, this is a knowledgeable person who was Secretary of Defense, knew the problem, and he felt you could cut the defense budget by 50% and not in the slightest impair our security. And I feel the same way now about that. Now, when when you watch, what's going to happen is uh, is they're going to try to thwart Bernie Sanders and Tulsi Gabbard because they are talking about and educating the American public to the threat of the continued control by the military-industrial complex and these interminable wars that 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 ensue as a result of the military-industrial complex wanting to sustain the profits. You can't sustain profits unless you manufacture these tools of destruction, and you can't use these tools of destruction unless you go to war. And then you use them up and you get to replace them. It's well, a vicious circle, cycle, that in my mind, the only answer is not within the government. It's within the ability of the people to make laws. Laws are central to our society, and until the people can have adopt a procedure, and I've outlined one in this book, uh, the detailed procedure, and, we, and also in 
Citizen Power, which was published 10 years ago, but uh, this is now being updated and, and focused on entirely within this new book, which will be able to, people could read it in one sitting. I, I've looked at the, the websites and the statements of all of these candidates, and I, of course, agree with your assessment regarding Sanders and Gabbard, and that's already happening. Uh, but, I, but I find the most uh, substantive answers and best answers in terms of policy platform uh, on MikeGravel.org. Uh, and, you know, it, it, I think perhaps in part because of your support for something approaching direct democracy, you're actually telling people what they would get if they elected you president. Um, I, I've written a couple of articles where I ran through you know, various questions that I think every candidate should answer, uh, and for many I couldn't find any answer at all, and for others I found you know, answers that, that satisfied me to various degrees. Can I, can I try to run through a few of those, those policy you questions? Certainly, you certainly may. You certainly Okay, I, I, we, you sort of touched a little bit on this first one already, but uh, first one is, what would you like the U.S. discretionary budget to look like? What percentage should go to what? With with over 60% now going to militarism, what percentage should that be, and where should the money go? Well, the percentage for militarism should be 50% of what it is presently, and where that money should go and, and you can supplement it with additional taxation on the wealthy. That money should go to, one, health care for everybody, single payer, and uh, education, free education for everybody uh, from, uh, from, from uh, kindergarten to Ph.D. status. Uh, you know, a country like Iran, which, we've, uh, which we denigrate in our media, uh, they and I was over there, and I can attest to it. Uh, and that is that education is free. At the end of various periodic periods, all you got to do is take a test, and if you meet the criteria, you can move on to the next level. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, you judge your civilization instantly by two criteria: how it treats the young and how it treats the elderly. And we fail in both counts. I would add how it treats the poor and the imprisoned. Uh, I think you answered Pops possibly three or four questions there, because I also have how do you want to spend the money kind of questions. Well, I agree, and, I agree with, with your comment on the poor. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's obscene. National, it's a national obscene event to see people living on the streets. A wealthy nation like ours, where people go hungry, and, and have no shelter uh, to speak of, and where they really, a good, good number of them have mental problems that need to be dealt with in a direct kind of way, and we don't. We don't. So here's another question. With, with super profitable corporations paying no taxes, with individuals with super high incomes paying a lower tax rate than ordinary people in many cases, with a regressive cap on taxes for Social Security, with no wealth tax, with no tax on most estates, what would you do to make taxation less regressive and more progressive? All of what you just mentioned should be corrected. The, the large uh, companies that are unresponsive in society or, or really uh, are abusive to the equality in society 
is we should have a system of taxation that is progressive, uh, uh, very progressive, uh, and funding uh, not only our government, but uh, proper funding for the United Nations, which should become the policeman of the world uh, and is not. And, and if they were to become policemen of the world, we wouldn't have to have that cost because we're the self-appointed policemen of the world, and it nurtures our empire. And this, of course, is nurtured by the military-industrial complex. Would you democratize that United Nations, give up the veto for the world's biggest war makers? Oh, God, yes. The, the, well, well, this, of course, we're not mature enough at this point in time. But I think if we were to empower the people to be able to make laws, that they would insist on this at some point, and that would be to turn around and take the General Assembly and uh, have that uh, work uh, on a majoritarian basis, like our House of Representatives. Uh, but but with a criteria, this means that China uh, and Indonesia and India uh, would have the largest majorities. But those majorities uh, could be discounted uh, by how much goes to the average citizen with the uh, with their 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 economic uh, power, uh, and and of course we would take the Security Council and do away with the veto and uh, have the the, uh, the the members of the Security Council based upon the the productivity of the society. So that would take all of the major uh, nations that would serve on the Security Council without a veto power, and it would essentially be the policy, uh, the, the policy-making. But well, we could go on into great detail. I'll, I'll I've got a, I'll have a chapter on that in my book that I'll be publishing. But here again, empowering the people to make laws is a very intricate process, and it's a deliberative process. You can't do what they did with Brexit. Uh, pass, uh, put out a referendum, let the people vote on it without educating the people to the consequences of their vote. Uh, and and they have not done that. You can obviously see the ridiculous situation that exists with Great Britain at this point in time. Uh, keep in mind, when you see a referendum, it's what is referred to the people by uh, the government. And it's it's skewed in a certain way. Uh, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people are able uh, able to initiate and enact laws that that uh, comport to their self-interest, the self-interest of the people uh, in a broad manner. We're speaking with Mike Gravel, candidate for U.S. president, who needs uh, public support to get into the Democratic Party primaries and articulate these popular positions there, uh, many of which will be missing otherwise. Uh, Mike Gravel, do you support a Green New Deal? And if so, what does it look like? It should be the uh, the, pro- the top priority uh, of of government, which is the same. There's only two priorities, because uh, both of them uh, have the ability to destroy the planet. So a Green New Deal is, is a philosophical approach to determine the, uh, the commitment that must be made by the political leadership and by the people. This won't happen without the people. Uh, and I'm 
talking about using our leadership role, which, of course, we've destroyed with Trump, but a potential leadership role in the world to bring about this Green New Deal. And once you make that philosophical commitment to do something, then uh, the implementation is not all that complicated here. We, we obviously the carbon tax to, to address the carbon that's going into the, uh, into the atmosphere. Uh, and we need to be able to put a cap on uh, the uh, carbon production items. Uh, we're de facto having a cap on coal, but that has to be accelerated. We have to accelerate on a planetary basis our ability to transfer to uh, to issues, economic issues that have no impact on the uh, on climate. Uh, and uh, and I think it can be done. But as far as the commitment being made at this point in time, you just saw what OAC uh, AOC uh, was ridiculed in the Senate when Mitch McConnell brought it up for a vote right. uh, and, and unanimously. And all this uh, indicated to me was the level of stupidity within the Congress, particularly the Senate, both on the Republicans, which led the battle to ridicule this, and, of course, the Democrats, who foolishly voted to support this ridicule. Could not agree more. We're going to run out of time. Let me see if I can get in a few more questions. Uh, Mike Gravel, what should the minimum wage be in the United States, and should that wage be set to keep pace with the cost of living? Well, first off, we it should keep pace with the cost of living. $15 is, is what is bantied about. Uh, I think that, that that is just the beginning. No, we need a, a an employment program that permits people to acquire ownership of the capital products. And so if a truck driver is being put out of a job uh, because of the truck being able to drive itself, then the government should provide the economic loan for the truck driver to buy the truck so that he can live off of the profits that the truck will make. And you can do this right across the board. So that's just the beginning. What uh, program of economic conversion to peaceful enterprises would you support, if any? Just here, we need a, if we're going to compete with China, we need a maglev system all the way across the United States, uh, like a network. And, uh, and, and of course, Siemens was the one that developed a maglev, and Chinese now have, have acquired the technology. <laughs> we could have our military uh, our corporations, our military corporations like Grumman and others, to f- cause them to transfer uh, their capability to peaceful activities and infrastructural improvement, not just the same old stuff, but really cutting-edge stuff so that the quality of life will benefit everybody in this country. Mike Gravel, would you end, continue, or escalate U.S. wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Pakistan, Libya, or Somalia? End them all immediately and begin to close bases worldwide so that we only have one or two bases in the world. Where would those one or two be left? Well, in, in Mediterranean, a uh, naval base in the Mediterranean, 
and a naval base, which we have in Japan at this point in time. That said, we don't need anything more than that. I, I would. I wish we had another hour to get into why we need those two. Uh, what about NATO? Do we need NATO? No, I, I've been opposed to NATO for a long, long time. And, of course, when the implosion of, of uh, the Warsaw Pact occurred, it was just ridiculous that we retained NATO. We don't need NATO. What about the CIA? Do we need the CIA? Uh, no, I think we could cut back on a lot of the activities that the CIA does, uh, and also with NSA. Uh, both, uh, you know, both are budgeted uh, through secret budgets. People don't even know. Most of the Congress don't even know what those budgets entail. What about ROTC uh, training and recruiting in schools? Do we need that? No, I think what we need is is a program that if young people want to go into public service, uh, they could, in some degrees, go to the military, but they could go to Peace Corps activities. They could go to diplomatic activities around the world. Uh, it would be educational, and it would be humanitarian activities. There's a, there's a big national commission holding hearings and discussion uh, over the, the this period of months uh, on whether the Selective Service draft registration should ex- be expanded <laughs> to females or be eliminated. It is now unconstitutional for it to just be for males. Would you expand it to, to young women or get rid of it? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And of course... The, the, the conservatives are, are really never going to bring back the draft, which I, I opposed and forced its, its end. But uh, there's a reason why, if you're going to have the draft, you should draft young women in addition to young males. Uh, but, but we don't need that. We don't need that at all. And uh, we don't need the size of the military uh, that we have on a voluntary basis at this point in time. We could shrink. Here, let me go back to uh, we could cut the military budget and obviously the personnel that sustains it by 50%, and we would not in the slightest impair our security. Oh, I think we'd improve it significantly, and I think we would spark a reverse arms race uh, from other countries in the process. Oh, that, that, that's a given. When, once we gave, gave people an example uh, with recent fact. One of the things that the easiest thing we could do right now is to cut out the two legs of the nuclear triad. That is, the nukes nukes that go to the Army, that go to the Air Force. You know, we've got 12 submarines, Trident submarines. Each one has 280 warheads. One submarine could hold the entire world hostage. Uh, And so... Uh, you could unilaterally don't don't try to discuss it with other nuclear powers. Just cut away those two areas of the triad, and then see if we can't join on an equal basis the seven other nuclear powers to arrive at an agreement to go down to zero on nuclear capability. 
Well, I would love to hear this burst of sanity uh, make its way into a televised presidential debate in the United States, and I know that's what you're trying to do. Uh, Mike Gravel is a former U.S. senator and a current Democratic Party primary candidate for U.S. president. The website is MikeGravel.org. Senator Gravel, thank you very, very much for taking the time to come on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you very much for having me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.